Okay, we're ready to begin. This week's Parsha is Parsha Dvarim. So the Parsha here in uh, in the 30s, in the Psukim in the 30s, in chapter 1, Moshe Rabbeinu is giving the Jewish people uh, Musa, he's giving them rebuke about the Miraglim, about the spies' uh, debacle that took place uh, in Parsha Shlach. So he says, he says like this, he says, Vayish Ma'ashem has called the Reich, and Ma'ashem heard uh, your voice. He heard what you said. Vayitza, Vayishav Aleymor, and he, he swore. He got angry, and he swore to say, Yira Ish Ba'anoshim Ha'il Ador Ha'azeh, Eitha Aretha Teva Shenish Batu Eseh Tavaseichim, I swear, if any of these people, this evil generation, will see this good land that I promised to give to your forefathers. Zulasi Kolev Ben Yifuneh, with the exception of Korev, the son of Yefuna, who Yirena, he will see it. To him I will give the land, that he had tread upon it, and to his children. It's because he fulfilled uh, after God. Now, Pasuk Lamed Zion is the one we're going to speak about. That's the next Pasuk. Hashem Hashem also, Rashi says, Nismal Regis got angry at me because of you. Lamor saying, Gam Ata You also will not go there, meaning you will not go to the land of Israel. Yeshua Ben Nun Yavashaba. Yeshua Ben Nun, who stands in front of you, he will go there. Oso Chazek. Strengthen him, Kihu Yan Israel, he will make the Jewish people inherit. Your children, they're going to go there. I will give it to them, and they will inherit it. You're not going to go into the land of Israel. That's the story that we know. The difficulty here is that all the Mephoshim, all the commentators are bothered by, is that Moshe Rabbeinu mentions, son of Hashem that because of you, Hashem got angry at me. All the Mephoshim are bothered by this question. Where do we see in Pasha Shlach that Hashem got angry at Moshe Rabbeinu as a result of the spies? Where do you see that Hashem got angry at, uh, at Moshe? during that whole scenario, the whole story, the whole situation there. Moshe Rabbeinu never took part in the Lashon Hara, in the disparaging speech against the land of Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu never uh, took part in taking sides with the people to say that the land was bad. Moshe Rabbeinu was on the side, apparently, from the story of Kolev ben Yefuna and Yeshua ben Nun. Where do you ever find that Hashem reacted against Moshe? You see that he reacted against the spies. Where do you see he reacted against Moshe? So how do you have a pasuk here? This pasuk, how does Moshe say that Hashem got angry at me? Because of you during the story of the miracle. When did that ever happen? It never happened. Here's a question. That's the Shaila. So the Ramban says, the Ramban, in his commentary, 
he says, yeah, Moshe is not talking about the story of the Moraglan. Moshe is talking about the story of the Memeriva. Moshe is talking about the story where sorry, Moshe, right, Moshe is talking about the story where he was supposed to get water from the rock in Pasha's Chukas for the Jewish people. And there he made a mistake, whatever the mistake was, in the coming to Machoikas, to this dispute amongst the Mephoshim, what the mistake was. Some say he, he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. The Ramban himself says, that Moshe Rabbeinu took credit for the water coming out of the rock instead of giving the credit to Hashem. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is referring to. Over there, there was a decree, if you recall, that Moshe is not going to land in the, uh, enter the land of Israel because Yanki lo emantani, you, you didn't believe in me. You didn't, you didn't believe me to sanctify Hashem's name. That's what happened. The reason why Moshe Rabbeinu didn't enter the land of Israel is because of the rock story. And that is what Moshe is referring to. Moshe is referring to the rock story. He's not referring to the spies. I, the question begs itself that if that's the case, what's Moshe Rabbeinu mentioning his own issue of going into the land of Israel with the main river, with, this, with the rock? in the middle of his rebuke to the Jewish people about the spies, what does one have to do with the other? On that, on that, the Ramban answers, yeah, it doesn't have to do anything with the other. One has nothing to do with the other. But the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu is putting all the eggs in that basket, the reason why he's mentioning it all together, is because he is saying that these are all the reasons why we all can't go into the land of Israel. You can't go into Eretz Israel because of the spies. I can't go into Eretz Israel because of the rock. The common denominator is we both can't go into Eretz Israel because of our infractions. And that's what the Pasuk means. Gam also, in addition, be he son of Hashem. But not all, uh, the simple meaning of the reading of the Pasuk would be, in addition to you, Hashem got also angry at me. But really what it means is, according to this, Gam also, in addition to your infraction, also there was my infraction. And because of both infractions, because of the both of us, we couldn't go into the land of Israel. That's what, the Ramban, that's how the Ramban learns. And that answers the question. Behold, he scared Kola Maisahu. It mentions the whole story. Zulasi Magifa Samaragli Matsum. Vagamla Iskira Diva Adiba doesn't mean yet fine. This is what the Rabban mentions. And this is what he says. Now the next the Orachayim HaKadosh disagrees with the Ramban. And the Orachayim HaKadosh is what we want to focus on this evening. Not the disagreement with the Ramban, but the, the explanation that he wants to say. And the explanation that he wants to say 
is what we want to deal with because of Tisha B'Av falling out right after Shabbos, of the relationship between Moshe not being able to go to the land of Israel with the Tisha B'Av, the, the, the ninth of Av. So, the Orachayim HaKadosh, Rabbeinu Chaim Benatar, says that his words do not seem logical to me in this Pasuk. Number one is because why does Moshe talk about it? About the rock situation. Why does Moshe talk about it in the middle of his rebuke of the spies? It doesn't make sense. You're talking about the spies, all of a sudden you're mentioning your own infraction about the, um, the water and the rock. And don't say that you're saying two separate topics because you're saying this in the middle of both topics. Because as we read the verses in between, before, from the beginning to the end, first he talks about the people, then he talks about Kalev, then he talks about him, then Moshe talks about himself, and then he goes back to talking about Yeshua, and then he goes back to talking about the children. So in the, according to the Ramban, in the middle he's talking about the rock. If he's going to talk about the rock, then say it at the end. What are you saying it in the middle for, and then going back to the, to the spies? The other question. And that which the Ramban says that he wants to mention all of the things that caused the Jewish people and including himself not to go to the land of Israel. On that he says, Lo yudati no A little translation of this is, I don't know what pleasure there is in this explanation. I think what the Orachayim means is, is that good there is a common denominator that for both of the infractions they couldn't go into the land of Israel, but the bottom line is, what does one have to do with the other? So good to have a common denominator. Both Moshe and the other, the people can't go into the land of Israel. But why mention it together? What benefit do you get from mentioning together? Just because there is the same outcome doesn't mean that you have to say it in the same speech. So why say it in the same speech? What pleasure, what benefit does, the, does Moshe derive derive in his rebuke by mentioning together his own situation in addition to the Jewish people's situation just because the result of both is, is that they are not going to go to the land of Israel. That is his question. So therefore, the Arachayim wants to offer a completely different explanation. And the, the explanation, very interesting explanation, listen to this. It says like this. First you have to know a few facts. Number one is, as we know, it says in the Medrash Rabbah 1620, that it says in Parshat the Jewish people cried that night. When the spies came, the Jewish people cried. The spies here, the very, that's, it's, that's what it says in Parshat Shlach, chapter 14, verse 1. So Hashem said, you cry tonight for no reason, I'm going to make you, give you a reason to cry for all generations on this night. 
What night was it when the spies? It was the night of Rabbi, the Tisha B'Av. As not only the Medrash says this, but the Gemara, I believe, also says this in Tractate Tainus on page 29a, that both the temples, both the Bat and were destroyed on Tisha B'Av. And all kinds of other calamities we know have befallen the Jewish people on Tisha B'Av. So since the Jewish people had cried, since the Jewish people have cried that night, then they had a reason that they're going to cry for, for all of generations. That's what Hashem said. That's fact number one. Okay? Fact number two. That the Gemara says, here in the notes, in the Orachim, in my book, it says it's Sota 5a, but it's really Sota 9a. There's an interesting Gemara in Tractate Sota. This is fact number two. Listen to this Gemara in Tractate Sota. The Gemara says on page 9a, in Tractate Sota, interesting, uh, an interesting idea. Right, it's the, it's the laws of the wayward woman. But this Gemara has nothing to do with that. Or at least on the, not on the surface. The Gemara is like this. Dorash Rabbi Chinina Bar Papa. Rabbi Chinina Bar Papa dashant. We're not going to uh, get involved in exactly the verse that he used in Tehillim 33. But he derived from this verse is like this. Moshe and David, by them, the Jewish enemies could not destroy those things that they built. Moshe and David had the special quality that whatever they put their effort into, that could not be destroyed. So David is an example of gates uh, that, that the enemies couldn't get that he, that he built, apparently. Rashi explains that. But now we get to Moshe. Moshe Damarmar Mishinivna Mikdash Rishon Nignas Oyo Moyed Koshov Koshov Rikhov Amudav Adonov. When when the base of Mikdash was destroyed, what happened to the tabernacle? The tabernacle with which the Jewish people went through the desert, where did it go? Where did it go? So this Gemara, this is it. Sota 9a, the Gemara says that it was hidden. Where was it? So it was hidden. What was hidden? The Oyo Moyed, the tent of meeting. The beams, the the uh, rings, the um, everything, the bases, the pillars—it was all hidden. Where was it hidden? Hecha, Where was it hidden? Says the Gemara. Am Rav Chista, Am Ravimi. Rav Chista named Ravimi. Tachas mechilos shalechol. It's underneath. It's in the tunnel underneath the hechol. Where is the hechol? If you face the kotel, the hechol is the outer foyer of the kodesh of the house of the Beis HaMikdash. So if you face the Kotel, you go right straight underneath. There are tunnels there, says the Gemara. And in those tunnels is buried the Mishkan. The tabernacle is there. That's where it is. So that's, that's what the Gemara says. What does the Gemara have to bring this for? So the Gemara says this because the Gemara was like this. That Moshe built the tabernacle. I mean, he, oversaw, he oversaw the tabernacle being built. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who takes responsibility for building, for building the Mishkan. Because of that, the Mishkan can never be destroyed. And since the Mishkan can never be destroyed, meaning the Mishkan can never be captured by the enemies and taken apart or destroyed anything, nothing can happen to it. Why? Because it's the handiwork of Moshe Rabbeinu. So therefore, says the Gemara, that since it's the handiwork of Moshe Rabbeinu, 
Therefore, it can never be destroyed. And since it can never be destroyed, that's why it was hidden in the tunnels underneath the base of in the Temple Mount. Here, that's fact number two. Because it, it, was, it was put there because it, it would never be destroyed? I don't understand. It was hidden from the enemies. The, it was hidden from the enemies that they can't get to it. Oh, okay. why, why would they do that? So the reason that the Gemara connected it is because... It, it, what, it, I don't know if the people who hid it did it for that reason. But it's hidden because the enemies can never get to it. They can't destroy it. They're never going to be able to, the example that Rashi, for example, says with David HaMelech, when the enemies came and they attacked the, the city, whatever the city, the gates that he made, they, they sunk into the ground where they couldn't get it. At the time of Tzitkiyahu, says Rashi, the, 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 the front doors, they just, they just got buried into the ground. And the, the enemies couldn't get it. So over here it says, the Gemara says about the Mishkan, about the Tabernacle, Nignaz, that it was hidden. It doesn't say who hid it or how it was hidden. Maybe it was hidden by itself. Whatever it is that the Hashgokha arranged it, that the enemy should never be able to get anything that Moshe Rabbeinu would, would, would put his hands on. And therefore the Tabernacle is not, it cannot be destroyed. The Tabernacle cannot be reached. I don't want to know what happens to, to a person who tries to dig under the Temple Mount and try to find the Tabernacle. I wouldn't do it. I'd be too nervous to do it, right? if, there's, if there's this guarantee that the Gemara says here in Saita 9a. That's fact number two. Fact number three is a Medrash Shochar Tov in number 89, uh, 79. But this Medrash Shochar Tov is also mentioned in Rashi in Tractate Kedushin on page, uh, let's see, 20, uh, on page 31. So the Gemara here is talking about a completely separate, uh, completely separate topic. The Gemara is talking about Rabbi Avo and his son Avimi. Rabbi Avo was telling the, the Gemara here tells us that Rabbi Avo was talking about how his son Avimi fulfilled the mitzvah of honoring his father. But he was something he was so good at the mitzvah of honoring his father. So one time the Gemara tells a story that 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 his father, when his father would come and he would knock on the door. He would be, he'd run to the door telling, telling him, I'm coming, I'm coming, until he reached the door. So his father should know he's coming. So one time, he was sitting in a chair, his father, and he asked his father, his father asked him to bring him a drink of water. So he went to the kitchen, he got a drink of water, he came back with the glass, he noticed his father was sleeping. So he stood, the Gemara says, he stood over his father, he stood over his father, until his father woke up with a glass of water in his hand. So that when he wakes up, he can give him the water. That's, what he was. That's how much he honored his father. He didn't just put it down. He said he fell asleep. Okay, so he fell asleep. So what am I going to do? Put the glass down. I don't have to bring it to him anymore. Whatever. He's sleeping. He doesn't want it. No, but he stood there and he waited until he woke up with a glass of water in hand. So the Gemara says that while Avimi was standing there with a glass of water, in hand, he had siyata de shamaya. He had divine inspiration all of a sudden. And he thought of a shot in this chapter in Tehillim 79. So Rashi says, either he understood the entire chapter or he understood one pasuk. What did pasuk did he understand? The first pasuk says like this. Mizmar, it goes like this. Before we continue, 
it sounds like if Avimi would have been sitting and studying this Tilim 79 in the Beis HaMedrish in the study hall, she wouldn't have understood this. But because he was fulfilling the mitzvah of Hashem, of the honoring his father, while he was standing there with a glass of water, therefore then he had divine inspiration and he understood something that he had a question on his entire life, he never understood. He had, a divine, he had an inspiration because of the mitzvah to understand Torah in a way that he didn't understand it before. What did he understand? So the Pasuk says, first Pasuk says, A song to Asaf, the Goyim, the non-Jews, came into your, came into your inheritance. So his question was, is that Kina loss of Mivoyle? Why does it say Mizmor song to Asaf? It should say a lament to Asaf. That the Goyim came, that the nations came into your inheritance. That's a lament. It's a, it's a tragedy. It's a bad thing. It's a pejorative. So why does the chapter begin with a song, Mizmor Asaf? That was, his, that was his question. That is a question that he was bothered by until him 79 his entire life. This is what he was bothered by. So what did he understand from this? He understood like this. That when the Jewish people sinned and the Rabboni Shalom got angry at them, he has two options. Destroy the people or destroy the building. What should he do? So he, what did he do? He destroyed the building. What did he do? He let his anger run, run roughshod on the sticks and stones, on the, on, the, on the mortar, and the building material of the building. Not the people. He didn't destroy the people. There were some people that survived. Why? If it would not be for this, if it would not be for this, there would be no Jewish people left over. As it says in Eicha 4, And the Rebbe used up all his anger, and there was a fire that was kindled in Sion. Okay, yeah? That's the Medrash. The Medrash says that when they write, so what is this Medrash? That Avimi understood. The Medrash says that when Hashem destroyed the Beis Amikdash, He took out His anger on the sticks and stones of the Beis Amikdash, not the people. The people were saved as a result of the destruction of the physical building, the apparatus that was the Beis Amikdash. That's fact number, what fact number are we up to? Three. Fact number three. Okay, review. What are the three facts? Number one is Tisha B'Av was the night that the Beis Amikdash was destroyed. And that was the night that the Meraglim and the Jewish people cried over the fact that they thought that they couldn't enter the land of Israel. Fact number two is if Moshe Rabbeinu would have entered the land of Israel and built the Beis Amikdash, it would never be destroyed as we see from Saita Tess. Fact number three is, is that when Hashem destroyed the Beis Amidah, she took out his anger on the building instead of the people. That's fact number three. Now, if we put all of these fact, three facts together brilliantly, the Arachai Makadosh is like this. Says the Arachai Makadosh. Now we know like this. 
if Moshe Rabbeinu would enter the land of Israel, what would happen? He would build the base on Igdash, the same way that he built the tabernacle. But if Moshe Rabbeinu would enter the land of Israel and build the base on Igdash, the Jewish team, the Big Hashem, would not be able to destroy the Beis Hamikdash. For so, what would happen if the Jewish people sinned? So then, the Jewish people would have to be destroyed, right? Then the Jewish people would have to be destroyed. So, therefore, Hashem has decreed that Moshe Rabbeinu cannot go into the land of Israel so that he cannot build the Beis HaMikdash. And that's what our Pasuk means. That also, because of me, Hashem got angry because of you. It's not talking about, like the Ramban says, about the rock and the water situation. It is talking about that Hashem got angry at Moshe and told him he can't go into the land of Israel because of the Meraglim, because of the spies. Right? What does that mean? Biglalchem, it says because of you, the word biglalchem means, also comes from the word gilgul, which means the cause and effect. You caused the, the, or the sin of the spies that I could not go into the land of Israel. Because that Israelites, because if I would go into the base of Mikdash without the spies, then the facet of evil would not be able to be strong enough that it would merit that the Jewish people's sin should destroy the base of Mikdash. And it would be righteous. But because they sinned, because of the sin of the Moraglim, then Hashem knew that they're not going to be able to become stay righteous. And you see this from the song of Azinu, Shiraz Azinu. And therefore, therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do anything wrong during the Moraglin's time, during the spies' time. That narrated that he shouldn't go into the land of Israel. But since they sinned, and that sin, since that infraction caused that the Beit HaMikdash would be destroyed in the future, therefore now, as a matter of, of consequence, as a matter of just the system of how it works, Moshe Rabbeinu all of a sudden cannot go into the land of Israel. Because if he does, and builds the Beit HaMikdash, and they're going to continue to do their infractions as a result of the Miraglim, then Hashem would have to destroy them instead of destroying the bias. Therefore, Hashem says to Moshe, you can't go into the land of Israel so that when the Beis Amigdash gets built, I'll be able to take out my anger on the Beis Amigdash and not on them. That's how Moshe Rabbeinu's inability to go into the land of Israel is related to Tisha B'Av. If there would be no Tisha B'Av, meaning if there would be no Meraglim, then Moshe Rabbeinu would have gone into the land of Israel. And if he would have gone into the land of Israel, then the Beis Hamidosh obviously would still be standing. That's what the Yorah Chaim says. Yeah?
Now we have one more detail to take care of. How could he have gone in though with the water bed? With the rock? Ah, so that's his next point. I, it says, I, it says, in the, I, it says later in the Torah, that the, in Parshas Chukas, that the reason why Moshe didn't go into the land of Israel is because he failed to do whatever it is that he didn't do with the rock. Right? So on that he says that Moshe Rabbeinu, at the time of the hitting of the rock, had an opportunity to sanctify Hashem's name. And if he would have sanctified Hashem's name in front of the people, this would have fixed the infraction of the spies. The Kiddush Hashem that Moshe Rabbeinu would have created as a result of his actions would have fixed the infraction of the spies and then it would have been that the infractions of the spies would not have everlasting ramifications and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu would be able to go into the land of Israel and build the base on Megdash without it having to be destroyed in the future. And that's what the Torah means in Parshas um, Chukas when it says you didn't sanctify my name meaning you didn't sanctify my name to the point where it would be that now you, that now you would be able to build the base of Midrash and Eretz Israel and therefore you can't go into the land of Israel and therefore according to the Orachim it comes out that we can say that the reason why Moshe didn't go into the land of Israel is not because of the rock it's because of the rock that he couldn't fix his situation of not being able to go into the land of Israel because of the Maraglim. But the real reason why he can't go into the land of Israel is because of the Maraglim, not the rock. The rock was just a missed opportunity to be able to fix the situation. That's what the um, Orachayim says. That's Orachayim's explanation. It's interesting that the author from Kelm, Rabsim Chazisel from Kelm, says a very, very similar explanation to the Orachim Akarish without quoting the Orachim Akarish, and it's slightly different, but it's the same in the idea. The author from Kelm is found in uh, the Sefer Chachma Musa, um, the first volume, but it's the second volume in the set. And it appears in number 93. It appears in number 93. And there, the, 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 the mimer, the, the, the speech, is entitled, Meimerinian Meimeriva. He's talking what what happened at the Meimeriva. He's talking about what happened at the rock situation. In Parshat Chukas, why did Moshe Rabbeinu did not go into the land of Israel? So here's a very interesting perspective. He says like this. He, he, he says he's not sure about it, but at the same time, it's good to say because maybe it's the truth. So I think that we see from here that obviously what he's saying is the truth, at least in the idea that it's for sure. 
He wants to say like this. He wants to say, it's interesting, maybe you, we do like this. We need a little bit of introduction. The Pasuk says, in Kahelas, there's a Pasuk in Kahelas, chapter 10, verse number 1. The Pasuk says in Kahelas, chapter 10, Verse number one, it's like this. Zvuve Mobes Yavish Yabiyashem in Rokeach. That the flies of death will spoil and create bubbles in a Shem in Rokeach, in a uh, oil that's filled with spices. So it's a nice smelling oil. Yakar, it is more precious, Michachma from wisdom, Michavad Sichlus, than from the honor of foolishness, miat, a little bit. Now, what, what's, the, what's the meaning of this Pasuk? So Rashi here in Kohelis explains that the meaning of the Pasuk is like this. The Pasuk says that at the time of the winter, the, the flies have no, they have no more strength. And that they're close to dying. The flies are almost ready to die. Right? So if they fly into a nice smelling uh, oil, they're going to ruin the oil, they're going to spoil the oil, and it's going to make, like, it looks like a boiling thing on top, it's going to make uh, grow mold bubbles in the oil, if the flies stay in the oil, Rashi says. And it looks like bubbles. So you see from here that a small thing like a fly, a small thing like a fly can ruin a vat full of, 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 of good stuff of uh, expensive uh, oil. So same thing with, with mitzvahs. Same thing with mitzvahs, says Rashi. A person can have 50-50 of mitzvahs and averos, 50-50 mitzvahs and 50 averos, and he can do one small avera, which is like a fly, and that avera will tip the scale, and the person will be considered like he's bad. Because now he has 51% of arrows. It'd be considered like he's uh, tipping the scale towards the worst. So you see that one small little thing can change a person's 50-50 status. It can change their whole situation. And that's what a fly can ruin oil. It is yakar. It is heavier. Right? It is heavier than wisdom itself. That's what this pasuk means. More wisdom, right? It's, it's more than wisdom and honor. Yoker michachmo mikavod. Sichus foolishness miat. A little bit of foolishness is much much heavier than a lot of lot of chachma and a lot of wisdom because it can just tip the scale. That's Rashi's explanation. Rashi's explanation is based upon the Medrash Rabba in Kohelis on this pasuk. However, Rashi here says that the Medrash Agoda says that the fly of death, this fly of death, is a parable for the Yitzhahara. It's a parable for the Yitzhahara. So what Medrash Agada is Rashi referring to? The Medrash Agada that Rashi is referring to is the Gemara in Tractate Brachos on page 61a. The Gemara in Tractate Brachos on page 61a compares the fly to a, the Yitzhahara. 
What does the Gemara say? So the Gemara here quotes a machlokas. The Gemara quotes this pasuk in Kailas, and then it quotes a machlokas, a dispute between Rav and Shmuel. So Rav is the one who says that the Yetzahara is similar to a fly. He says the Yetzahara is similar to a fly, and it sits. The fly sits. Um, are the two chambers of the heart, and and and, and tries to the the, the 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 steer a person in one direction as opposed to another direction. That's what Rav says, right? Right. And he quotes the this this pasuk in support. So, why is the Yitzhahara compared to a fly? So the Marshal here says that what Rav means to say is like this. Very simple. It's a Gemara and Tractate Sukkah on page 52a. The Gemara and Tractate Sukkah on page 52a describes the um, the Yitzhar not as a fly, but as something else. But the Marshal wants to say that it's the same thing. So like this. Rav Asi said, Yitzhara is similar at first to a string. The human inclination is similar to a string that's attached to a. It's a dispute here what it is exactly, or whether it's a. Uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's an attachment. It's a, like a. It's called a buchia, but it's in a weaving machine. You place it in order to go through the strings. It's like a it's like a needle, but it's not really a needle. Right, it's a piece of wood. It's a piece of wood. Yeah. Or it's maybe a spider, but it's the yitzhar at the beginning is similar to a string, and at the end, it's like it becomes like like um, thick ropes that are used for a wagon. Rashi says they're used to tie to a a cow, to tie a plow to a cow. So first it starts out as a you know as a small little a small little uh, string. And then it builds into a big, thick rope. So a string you can snap, but a rope you cannot snap. So the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, it works, operates this way. It starts with a small little thing, but then the situation, the, the, the desire, or whatever it is, is that it builds inside the person, it, it gets, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Until it, it's, it has such a strong hold on the person that the person can't fight it. It's, it becomes over, over, overwhelmed, overcome with the power of the Yetzirah. That's how the Yetzirah works. So that's why it's similar to a fly, says the Masha. It tracked a block of 61, because a fly is also a small little thing. It's a small little thing, but then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It starts as a small fly. Then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger. And it can destroy a whole, a whole of that full of oil, full of chashiba, uh, important, expensive oil. That's, a, that, that's what the Yitzhahara is. So it says the altar. says the altar, you see from this, you see from this, says the altar, that a, 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 an action, a small action, can cause a tremendous, a gargantuan repercussion, whether it is for the good or the bad. 
is because of a tremendous, we can say a word to somebody, bad. Who knows in the future what's going to happen. We could say a word to somebody good. And who knows what it's going to be. It's like the butterfly effect. It could have tremendous repercussions and effects as a result of those actions. With this concept, he wants to explain what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu given all the facts that we, that we said. It says like this. The matter is as follows. Who knows how the soul or how the psychological aspect of a person operates? When Hashem created the, the Creator, and He knows that through speech, people get influenced more than they get influenced by the rock. In other words, if you assume that what Moshe Rabbeinu did wrong with the water was is that he hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Only Hashem knows in the eyes of the people what influence that would have on their soul. How that would affect their, 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 their spiritual equilibrium. He knew that it would make an impression with them. As far as the belief in Hashgokha Pratis and Hashem's watch over them, even in a small way, that if, if the difference between, says, now this is, this is a little bit scary, but this is an interesting concept, he says, the difference between striking the rock and hitting the rock could be that it snowballed the effect, the ripple effect snowballed to the point where they would have never, they would have never come to sin to the point where it would destroy the base Amigdash. It could be the Moshe Rabbeinu's action, the vicissitudes, the, 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 the right, the butterfly effect of Moshe Rabbeinu's action, the failure to hit the rock, instead of speak to the rock instead of hitting the rock, the ultimate result of that was the destruction of the Beis Amidash. Not because he caused the Beis Amidash, but the people uh, were influenced in their, in their psyche to the point where the, the development or their spiritual development went to if they, he would have just spoken to the rock, the Beis Amidash would have never gotten destroyed. Right. So he says like this, that what happens? Now this is where the idea is very similar. Why did the Jewish people need to go into Gaulus? Why did they need to go into exile? To atone for their sins. Right? But if Moshe Rabbeinu would take him into the land of Israel, if Moshe Rabbeinu takes him to the land of Israel, they're never going to leave. And if they're never going to leave, and they sin to the point where the base Amidash has to be destroyed, says the altar, then they could never go and achieve a full atonement. Therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu failed to create a Kiddush Hashem to the point where the Jewish people would not sin in the future, causing the base Amidash to be destroyed, therefore, automatically, as a result of that, he cannot take them into the land of Israel. Because if he would there would be no possibility to, for them to achieve atonement through exile. Yeah, it's the same idea. Just using different facts. 
says the author, is that Moshe Rabbeinu, it was Moshe Rabbeinu who caused the destruction of his failure to sanctify Hashem's name at the time of the hitting of the rock caused the Jewish people to develop in such a way that they would merit that they should go into exile as a result of the destruction of the Beis And therefore, why? Because the exile would be their, their atonement so that they can come back. Therefore, since Moshe Rabbeinu caused that, it's just a matter of course, it's a matter of consequence that he cannot go into the land of Israel because then they would never be able to leave because his actions would be of such import that him taking them to the land of Israel would say that they can never leave, that they can never leave the land of Israel. And they have to leave the land of Israel in order that they should achieve atonement. That's his explanation. So he learns almost like the Arachai Makarish, except that he doesn't mention the building of the Beis Hamidosh. He instead he mentions going into the land of Israel she doesn't really mention the destruction of the Beis Hamidosh. She does, but not in, the, in this context, in, in this way. Instead, he's talking about Golas. But he's also using the idea of the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu's actions could never be nullified in order to, in order to give his explanation. The difference between him and the Yorachai Makarish is, is that according to the Yorachai Makarish, really, Moshe Rabbeinu was not in fault in anything in terms of him going into, not going into the land of Israel. as a matter of consequence. Here, by, by the altar, it's a little bit different, because by him, Moshe Rabbeinu was at fault. It's because of what he did at the rock that he couldn't go into the land of Israel. Well, according to the Yorachayim HaKadosh, it's because of what he did at the, at, at, at the rock that he couldn't fix the problem of going to the land of Israel. So, he concludes with the following words, and we will also conclude with this. He says, I guess, al therefore, it is an obligation on every person to be mezake the rabbin. What does it mean mezake the rabbin? It means to merit, to make the Jewish people meritorious, to create merit for the people. In other words, it's an obligation on each and every single one of us to take some form of leadership, to help others. Ubifrat, specifically, b'shulchan I assume he means with halacha. He says the shulchan aruch, which means the the set table, which is the shulchan aruch, the, the the code of law. Specifically, telling people the shulchan aruch, telling people the halacha, the proper way to act Jewishly. That's our first and foremost obliga- uh, obligation. Why? Because we don't know even a small little act in that context how much it's going to spread. We don't know how much influence it's going to have in the end. This charoi, miruba mioid mioid, the reward for such an action might be very, very big. Even one small thing, the reward might be something that we cannot imagine. Okay? Yeah? So this is what I wanted to share with, you, with, with everyone this evening. I wanted to share how Moshe Rabbeinu's actions, or Moshe Rabbeinu's inability to go into the land of Israel, is directly is directly related to Tisha B'av. If Moshe Rabbeinu would be able to go into the land of Israel, as we explained at length, Moshe then there would be no Tisha B'av. Right.
Okay. Questions? Oh, that was great. Okay. Oh. Thank you. Good job.